全国のロデオボーイロデオガールのみんな元気かい今年の夏をホットに盛り上げるアッパーナンバーをお届けするぜグランロデオで恋のヒートウェイブはい。For all you doubters who thought that maybe this was only going to be a one time thing, you were wrong. This is real. We're moving forward. I just want you guys to know how much I love you. All right. Trying to find a little bit of scheduling time for the podcast has been difficult as I've started a new job, but don't worry about that. Your good old senpai Josh will take care of it. So, with that, let's get the show started. <laughs> So let's get a couple things out of the way first. I want to give an update on Bakemono no Ko or Boy and the Beast, the Mamoru Hosoda film that is done by his new studio,、um, Chizu, got a subtitled release by Mad Men Entertainment, so you can check that out. Another thing I want to remind you please pick up The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past manga that is being re released May 5th. Now you're saying, well, why would I want to do that? And I thought, Josh, you were against you know, video game adaptations. I am. However, this is story and art by Shotaro Ishinomori, all right, the guy who invented Kamen Rider. I, I don't know how you cannot pick this up with that justification, but here you go, some、uh, updates nonetheless. Getting into some more heavy news, the music label Columbia of Japan is going to be re releasing anime soundtracks, older anime soundtracks from around the 1970s era. So the first couple. Titles we have are going to be Orewa Tepe, Lupang Tai Homes, and、uh, Osamu Tezuka's Umi no Triton, or Triton of the Sea, as you, as you well know. Now, these are all going to be released over the course of the summer, and they sound great. I was listening to the promo video they have, and it, it sounds literally like they've taken the music straight from the show. It has that classic 70s feel. That, and I don't say classic, maybe, maybe let's say timeless, but anyway. It has that 70s motif and composure. It sounds very much like it belongs in its era, which is not a bad thing, but cleaned up. Remixed, re. It almost sounds re recorded in some degrees, and, and this is absolutely brilliant. Now, of course, they've only said three titles. I'm really hoping they'll go to Miyazaki's original Lupin III. Oh, man. That was a great show, and I would love to have a cleaned up soundtrack for that. Other than that, make sure you check it out, even if you're not interested in some of the、uh, even if you're not interested in some of the albums that are being released or some of the anime that are being covered. It just, it just sounds pretty. 
Another thing is Vampire Hunter D is getting a re-release by Sentai Filmworks. It got re-relicensed. Yes, re-relicensed. And it's actually going to have a new dub. The Blu-ray and DVDs are slated for sale August 25th. So that's coming up sometime here soon. I'm excited to hear it simply because I remember the old version. I forget who puts that out, but the dub fell kind of flat to me, at least um, even in the Japanese version, actually. I know that may sound like blasphemy, but I remember watching that and it was a little bit difficult for me to get through. However, uh, Bloodlust was also licensed by Discotech back in February. So, I mean, we're going to get... I just love Hideyuki Kikuchi's work. Uh, you know, Wicked City, that sort of thing. He has that very dismal Japanese, grotesque horror that is just so brilliant. And uh, for all you people who are into Vampire Hunter D, the films, I, I definitely want to recommend the novels as well. There are a series of light novels that are being put out by Dark Horse. Make sure you pick those up. And um, just a quick tip, if you are going to do so, I would suggest your used bookstores. Here's why. It is a somewhat trashy fiction. I'm not going to beat around the bush with that. However, you can get them, you know, I mean, they're, they're a good read at least once, and then you can typically uh, find them used or elsewhere. So another thing I want to mention is for those of you who have seen the films, and I, I kind of want to sell the books to you a little bit more, only book one and book three have actually been adapted. That would be Vampire Hunter D would be the first book. And book three, Demon Death Chase, is actually Bloodlust. So we're missing book two. And book two is actually a solid read. I, I made sure I read uh, book two before I moved on, just so I could kind of get the full span. Each novel is a standalone. It is kind of an island unto itself. But that's not a bad thing, nor is it a good thing. It's just how the story is really brought to life. So make sure you check that out. So all you guys who are Common Rider fans, myself included, although I could be a better one, do any of you guys have uh, some extra cash lying around? Say maybe six and a half thousand dollars, or if you actually do have some, how about uh, like forty-six and a half thousand dollars? If you do, I'd really appreciate that because I would love to buy one of these brand new Common Rider statues that are made out of pure gold. The the first Common Rider, Showa. Uh, Takeshi Hongo, for those of you who may be familiar with Kamen Rider lore. The figure comes in two sizes, 8 inches, hence the price tag, or if you kind of want to skimp and get the cheaper one, if $6,500 counts as cheaper, you can get a 4-inch version. Both statues, if you're looking to order them, are going to go on sale April 24th, so I don't know how much demand there's going to actually be for these things, but I'm not going to lie, it would totally be cool to have one. Dude, solid gold common writer. That's badass. Where the hell's my Lupin? Well, guess what? We got an updated schedule for the new Lupin the Third anime. The series is going to premiere in Japan sometime in the fall. For those of you who are diehard Lupin fans and, and are familiar with the name, Yuji Ono is going to be involved as composer. Quoting ANN, Ono commented on his involvement saying, quote, Lupin is returning center stage. This is what Lupin's sound should be. Please look forward to that kind of music. Close quotes. I'm very excited to see Blue Jacket. We had Green Jacket, which is the... The original animated version by Miyazaki, as I previously mentioned about the soundtracks, again, brilliant soundtrack, 
all Lupin music has always sounded very distinct and very much Lupin. For those of you who are trying to get into the series, I can tell you this. If you have access to the manga, do so. Get the manga in your hands. If you do not, I would recommend going to Green Jacket first. Not because it comes in any chronological order. Not because of that at all. Actually, quite the opposite. It doesn't really base... You know, there, there are multiple jackets of Lupin. You have Green Jacket, Pink Jacket, Red Jacket, and now we have Blue Jacket. So the thing is, a lot of people argue back and forth which is the best jacket, but that's not the point. If you want to honestly understand Lupin, I think the manga and green jacket are the best way to go, and that's my personal opinion. I deeply enjoy that 70s Lupin. Now granted, yes, like I said, it's from the 70s, so it looks dated, but I think that's why you should start there first. I don't think you should get spoiled on something like Castle of Cagliostro, which is itself an amazing film. But for me, it's it's not quite Lupin. Even though Miyazaki directed Castle Cagliostro and also had a hand in that original 70s TV version, they're drastically different. I recommend the TV version. For those of you who may not have as much patience, okay, something newer could easily be this show. So, hey, you know, hey, waiting around to watch this may not be a bad idea. Or the woman named Mine Fujiko would also be a viable option. But if you're interested in getting into Lupin, that manga is probably the best way to go. It was the original source material and probably the only thing Monkey Punch will ever be remembered for, unfortunately. Last but not least, and yes, this qualifies as news. The Naruto Exhibition Guestbook. This is a big deal. Why? Because it's being sold for about $11. But that's not the point. It's not that it's cheap, but because it has a chance that we may see Kakashi's face. Perhaps the biggest mystery in all of the Naruto fandom is Kakashi's face. What does it look like? Does it even exist? I have this theory that maybe Kakashi is a lot like Darth Malak from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1 doesn't quite really have a face, maybe it's just this wooden jaw. However, Kakashi has been known to speak, so maybe that would disprove the theory, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some speaking jutsu for that. I think this may be a gimmick, just to get you to buy it. I'm gonna wait till scans come out and see if this is true, but uh, there must be quite a bit of pressure on Kishimoto to, to draw out what does Kakashi look like? Or maybe he just doesn't give a crap and he's trying to grab attention because, you know, we know Boruto is going to be freaking great. So, With that, there's your news. I hope you enjoy the review. This week we have Gundam Build Fighters Try, the show that single-handedly is responsible for making me try my hand at Gunpla. <laughs> interesting about Gundam Bill Fighters Try is its name, 
Gundam Build Fighters try. Now let's let's be 100% honest. This show in many ways is just a money grabber. It's trying to sell Gumpla, and for those of you who are not familiar with that term, Gumpla is basically a combination of two words. Gundam and plastic. Gunpla. They're, they're trying to basically get across the idea plastic Gundam models, aka Gunpla. So now that you know that terminology, that's all this show is trying to do. This is a direct sequel to the prior season, which was just simply known as Gundam Bill Fighters, and that was equally as wonderful. But this is, uh, interesting enough, the second Gundam series outside of the Universal Century timeline to have a second series or a second season. What's very interesting about Gundam Build Fighters, it takes place in our universe, but at the same time kind of doesn't. There is, uh, some slight spoilers, a second parallel universe that runs alongside ours, which allows us to use this Plavosky particle. So instead of Minoski particles, as was the main power source in the Universal Century timeline, they're using Plavosky, and it's of course another combination of plastic and Minoski. But the cool thing is, you can make a Gumpla. You set your GP base, and then, boom, your model comes to life, and you are ready to battle. As I said, this is this is pretty much a, a show for children. However, I kind of want to quote the uh, the opening song, the first opening theme. There are no limits. This show was just. I don't want to say pure octane because it wasn't. It wasn't like some dynamic Hiroyuki Maishi dead leaves, super thousand heartbeats a minute sort of thing. But what it was was a, a story of these kids who believed in themselves and achieved something. And in that sense, the show is an, a remarkable success. It has a very strong story, in my opinion. If you haven't seen it, it aired just last season. That would be the winter season of, you know, 2014, 2015. Um, and it has 25 episodes. So y you have a little bit of watching ahead of you. It's a little bit longer than your typical season. But I highly recommend it, nonetheless. So with that, let's kind of get into our characters. A couple things have changed for those of you who may have seen Gundam Build Fighters. My introduction to this whole entire series, I looked down upon it. Like so many other anime, I was like, oh, this is going to be shit, you know, it's just going to be another toy grabber, money grabber, toy seller, I should say, money grabber. And I was right, it is, but, again, with the but, you have to take into account a lot of Gundam fandom. This is really just a love letter to Gundam fans, and I consider myself a Gundam fan. I'm maybe not nearly as hardcore, but uh, I will definitely say I am a fan. I really do appreciate my Gundam. And so, with that, let's get into the three main characters. The first one is Fumina Hoshino. Without her, you cannot have the, the team Tri-Fighters. In many ways, she is the main character. All these characters are well-rounded enough that you never feel like you can do without one of them. And each of them develop, I would, I would say, in a fair and even proportion, if that makes sense. The story doesn't favor one over the other, and that's a big deal, simply because Hoshino, she is the leader of the Gunpla club in her in her school, Seho Academy. And so what ends up happening is there's a plastic, uh, there's a plastic modelers uh, a club as well, and they're just way more popular. 
No one wants to play Gunpla for some reason. It's seven years since the last great big tournament that Sayori and Reiji were in. And it seems like people have kind of forgotten about that. At least that's the impression I got when watching this show for, for the first time. And she's kind of desperate. She needs to get some people to, to join the club. Otherwise, it will close down. And she says, she makes you know a promise, I will enter the tournament for, uh, I think it was regionals or something like that. I will enter, you know, a, a local small tournament, and if we win, you keep the club open. And they're like, okay, but the rules are you have to play as a team, and there have to be three members of that team. So it's already a little bit different from, you know, Gundam Build Fighters. Now, Hoshino, she knows that it's almost a, a foolhardy dream to, to keep the Gunpla Club open. And that's when, of course, we get a transfer student. Now, what has happened is this transfer student has been away training his martial arts. And he's a little bit younger. He's one year below Hoshino. His name is Kamiki Sekai. Sekai is a practitioner of the Jigen Hao School of, of Martial Arts. It's um, a type of Kenpo. So think of it like that. He not worships, but truly adores his master who taught him all the techniques he, he knows. And since he doesn't know how to use a Gunpla, that's basically all he can do. Hoshino is in the office at the time, arguing about how she's going to save the club when, of course, Sekai comes in. And they're like, why haven't you attended school? I went off to the mountains to train, you know, huh? And he looks a lot like Reiji from last season, so we're kind of already expecting him to save the day. Hoshino grabs him and says, you're joining the Gunpla team you're gonna help me get to nationals and that sort of thing and Kamiki has no idea what's going on hijinks ensue until finally Hoshino can sit him down in front of the, the simulator and she says to him pick any gunpla and he of course picks a, a Rick Dom now the interesting thing about a Rick Dom is it was kind of the the second mobile suit for Xeon it's kind of the second mobile suit they had after the Zaku and it was known to be extremely fast. At least it had a, a levitating type system, so it, it could propel itself and kind of glide over the ground a little bit. So Seikai is using this Rick Dom, battling it out with, with Hoshino, and she's teaching him the rules of Gunpla. So for someone like me, I picked up on the rules fairly quick, but it's kind of nice to go over refresh. Of course, it's a brand new um, series. It's a brand new season. So there are going to be tons of people who are only picking up the second season because they heard the first season was popular. So they're kind of doing that for the audience's sake more so than anything. So Seikai isn't very good at using Gunpla. It's not like he can shoot his lasers properly or even use his Vulcan cannons and stuff. He kind of gets the idea with the sword, but what ends up happening is he does martial arts. He literally transposes what he knows in the Jigen Hao style of Kenpo and literally just battles it out as if he were the Gundam. So that's kind of an interesting thing, is to see this Rick Dom doing Kempo, and that's his battle style. So he has to dodge lasers and get in close and that sort of thing, but that's the trick. So all of a sudden, in the middle of this battle, we have Kosakayuma, the champion of building, who comes into the battle and shoots up Sekai's Rick Dom. However, one fact I neglected to mention was that Sekai found the Rick Dom in a trophy of Sayori's seven years ago when he was at the same school. So when Yuma destroys 
the Rickdom. It's only a shell. And inside you find the Build Burning Gundam. And everyone has never seen this before. This is a completely different type of Gunpla. It's built by Seiyori. And that's kind of how the series starts off. Later, we find out that Yuma, Kosaka Yuma, has basically stopped playing Gunpla. And the reason being, he suffered a defeat as, as a younger child in grade school and never kind of recovered from that. He, he was always too nervous and too um, upset over that to really try again. He knows Hoshino. Those two know each other. They actually made a promise that they were going to go to the world tournament together. And so Hoshino takes him up on, on, on the offer, basically says, you made a promise. Take up Gumpla. And sooner or later, of course, he does. So we have the ultimate builder, we have the team leader, and then we have the meathead martial artists. And it just creates a very charming synergy between the three of them that is absolutely fun to watch on camera. Hijinks ensue here and there, but it's relatively straightforward. There's one scene when they're singing the opening theme to Double Zeta Gundam, Anime Janite. Basically, that translates to a phrase of, this is not anime. So the very interesting thing is you have an anime, Double Zeta, with the opening theme going, anime janai, this is not anime, this is not anime. And at one point, they're singing it, Hoshino and, and, and Sekai are singing it in the back of the car when they're sensei or their teacher, Mr. Rumbaral, yes, Rumbaral is back, is driving the car talking to Yuma about, you know, strategical probabilities, what they're going to have to expect in this upcoming tournament, because Yuma is, is more of the serious one. He's very calm, but he's also very passionate. He's a calm storm waiting to, to just wreak havoc. He is probably my favorite character, Yuma simply because he's using the Zeta Gundam. It's a customized version, but it's absolutely brilliant, and he just makes it work so much. I, I love UC. UC is my favorite universe, if you can't tell. So I, I'm slightly biased. But anyway, returning to the scene, they're singing this song in the back. You know, anime Janai, it's not anime, it's not anime. And then they change the words to, we're going to the tournament. And it works in the Japanese, and I'm not going to sing it because I'm not that great of a singer. Long story short, though, it, it's simple things like that. If you're a Gundam fan, you're going to love the show. You can't. You, just one um, one thing I'll say is, is the crossbone. The full-cloth crossbone Gundam is finally animated, and this is its first appearance. It's just absolutely brilliant. You cannot walk away and say, I didn't enjoy that. Yes, it's a show meant to sell toys, but here's the thing. It works. It works wonderfully. The story, again, is you can do anything as long as you put your mind to it. Very simplistic story. But it's a fact, a truth that we all want to believe, even though sometimes it may not be true. It may not be true. But as long as you're kind of a child at heart, it is true. You can do anything. There's a character named Simon, Shimon, however you want to pronounce it, 
who is fighting for something very dear to him. And we don't find out until later. It's basically his, his terminally ill younger brother. Shimon is, is a boxer. And what he basically does is allow his younger brother to build. Now, his younger brother is not a great builder. Basically just puts the gunpla together. Shimon allows him to just build a straight gunpla. And he says he will make it work. He will win with that gunpla. He promises his younger brother that he will make it to the end. That he will make it to be champion. In the end, the moral of the story is everyone is fighting for something. So Seikai basically says, you will fight for your brother. I have promised my friends that we will win. I cannot back out on my promise. And it seems almost cold-hearted in some ways, but it works out in the end. And I want you to, at least if you're going to try this series, at least watch up until episode 8 when that fully resolves. Another one, and this one is, is a little less serious, a little less so somber, but equally humbling, was that ending fight. It gets down to a point, I think it's fairly obvious if you, if you know how these shows work, it gets down to a point when it's, it's the final curtain and both teams fight. And it is a spectacular fight. There's so many Ichiro Atano-isms in here. That's really the best way to call him is Ichiro Atano-isms. He's from, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with that name, Ichiro Itano is the man who's kind of responsible for the missile spam. It started in Space Runaway Ideon, and what would happen is they'd launch all these missiles, and they just go ballistic, crossing over in different lines, that sort of thing. And as they hit and strike, they're exploding, but other missiles are still crossing over, and it just creates this circus of kinetic energy that's just flowing everywhere. And they didn't do that so much in this series with missiles, as much as they did with the actual suits. The suits travel so fast that they just become this glowing line. And they just boom, 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 make all these sharp angled turns in quick succession before finally flying in for the kill or flying in for a strike and that sort of thing. And it's just so beautiful to watch. It's just so wonderful when you can stop it frame by frame. And it's moving every frame so fluidly, so crisply and cleanly. It just, there's, it, they'll have counter shots where you're looking at the mobile suit that's about to be attacked or, or there's one stationary mobile suit and the other one is going off in the background, making all these, these ridiculous turns before finally flying at you in the screen. And it's just so well choreographed. I, I, I loved it. There's just such an energy behind it. There's just so much power and speed and I've been really looking at anime as of late. How does it move? A lot of the times it doesn't. But here's the thing. You cannot draw a mobile suit, a mech, in full detail. And then have it move that quickly. Just, it's so much work to animate a robot. I'm glad they, they animated the Gundams in this. Because if they have resulted in doing CG, we'd basically be watching 
tribe cool crew the the gunpla battles or whatever but to get around this it becomes just nothing more than a line moving around in the screen and you understand what it is your mind does the rest it shows you something but yet omits the details allowing you to put them in there and then they only need to show you what's the most important when the gunpla again come at each other and you can see them moving at the same speed attacking there are a couple scenes at the very end. The um, episode twenty-five is kind of a, a little bit of a of a free-for-all battle. They, they're kind of having a little bit of a celebratory battle. It's kind of a cheers to Gumpla. Here's the hobby. Anyone can join in. That's really what the last episode is all about. Anyone can join in Gumpla. Anyone can have fun. And what ends up happening is Rumba Rao and the Meijin, the Master, and then of course the Sensei start battling each other and it just becomes kind of two lines a red one and a blue one they just kind of keep making passes and all these i I keep doing hand signatures and no one can see me but it's just so beautiful i can't describe it i've sent screen caps it just it fails to capture the glory and magnitude that is the ichiro itano ideal of of circus of of a melee circus of kinetic energy course so this happens in the very end um that final battle that final battle needs to be put off for one thing i do need to mention the triton three one two three daitan three The Triton 3 is basically a spoof off the Daitan 3, which it was one of the series that Yoshiki Tomino worked on before he eventually created Gundam. It's a super robot show, and it was very nice to have Mosami Obari work on there. It just captured the spirit of that old... It, it's very interesting. It's an older show that was trying to sell toys, referenced in a newer show that's trying to sell toys. Different toys, different audiences, but in a lot of ways it's the same audience, just people who love anything that they can they can truly believe in. I'm not saying believe in Gumpla, but what I'm saying is they believe that they can do something more. You know, when, you, when you're playing with that giant robot, you're kind of in another universe for a while. At least for me, I, I have my case full of toys, right? I have my Evangelion figures and, you know, this, that, the other thing. When I look at them, I don't stop and think, oh, wow, that's a nice... Well, maybe that's my first thought. Oh, wow, that's a nice toy, you know, and I smile. And then I start remembering the series. Maybe I remember that scene where they were in that pose I I articulated them in. Things like that. That's kind of the wonderful thing about a toy, is that you can be in a different universe with just a piece of plastic in your hands. And unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, nowadays with, with... so many video games on the market, you don't really need a toy anymore. You have that virtual action figure, and you don't need to imagine the universe. You can kind of be somewhere else because the game sets you there. But I want to kind of appeal to maybe people who are my age who still grew up playing with toys or any child or anybody who, who can relate to that idea. There's just something special about your imagination and plastic. It just works. There's no governing logic. There's no extreme rule set to to follow. 
it just is emotional it flows and so i think that was kind of really the inclusion of the triton 3 it's a, you know three robots come together to combine the ultimate mech it is so super powerful it's ridiculous and of course it's built by yuma's rival so there's also that thrown in there too however that spirit of fun and plastic and imagination is what makes that ending so wonderful the two teams are battling not going to tell you who but you could probably figure it out they're battling and it comes down to the aces match yuma the master builder had spent all night tuning up his entire team's gunpla almost an impossible task except he got help from his rival his rival shows up and says you're never going to make it in time you better let me help he's consents even Hoshino gets to help but needless to say Seikai also helps by learning a new technique the very end is finally here and everything is destroyed except for Seikai and the captain of the other team and it comes down to an aces match I knew this would happen says Yuma and so what he does and here's the thing when an aces match happens you cannot go off and, and repair the Gundam and come back you have to use what pieces are there Yuma had arranged that all the pieces from every single Gunpla that they were using on their team could be interchanged. And so is able to basically right there without glue, without you know snips, without anything, can snap it all together and they have a makeshift Gunpla. Battle start! There are no limits. There are no limits. And so Seikai comes in there with basically the team Tri-Fighter Gundam and the battle ensues and it's almost impossible to follow the battle in a sense of blow by blow who does what it's not about that it's not about that anymore it's about that fighting spirit how your soul can burn with passion and how you can still accomplish anything you can put your mind to the battle transcends a sort of physical I will beat you, you will beat me. It just becomes the spirit of a boy. His imagination. And a piece of plastic. And I was tearing up during that fight because of that. Not because it was so extremely beautiful, it was. Not because it was so extremely well choreographed, it was. But because... I was able to relate with a child's heart. Gundam Build Fighters Try is an amazing show, and luckily we are going to get an OVA for each series, one for Gundam Build Fighters and one for Gundam Build Fighters Try. I cannot wait for that, because one thing that kind of pissed me off about this series is we didn't get to see anybody. We didn't get to see Reiji. 
we didn't get to see Say. And so the thing that's frustrating is we do get to see China, who we find out did marry Sayori. But Yuma is kind of like his uh, nephew or something like that. So he's related to Sayori, and we never see any of that. Meanwhile, people were already speculating in the very beginning of the series that Seikai looks an awful lot like, like Reiji, so perhaps there's some connection there as well. It's never answered, and it may never be, and that's fine. We had enough wonderful, wonderful teasers and wonderful uh, homages to the original Gundam series. Characters appear in the show. I mean, like I mentioned, Ramba Rao. He's in the show as a, a legit character. Unfortunately, though, I feel they kind of wrote him off. So the, 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 the nature of, of anime is that nothing is set in stone until it's fully animated, and even then, some things will change. So Ramba Rao's voice actor was sick by episode 4 and ended up kind of retiring. So they had to replace him, and I feel like because of that incident, he didn't play such a big role after that. Although I did notice the voice change, it wasn't quite the same. It was it was like they, they purposely kind of pushed him out to the side and changed the story a little bit, which is unfortunate because he played a, a huge role in the first series. But maybe that was the point, is we don't maybe need Rambaral to play Sensei anymore. Maybe we just need to watch the kids progress. The other thing that I'm super excited for is is I ordered some Gumpla in the mail. Yes, I broke down. The, the show worked. And I bought myself my, my first Gumpla. It's coming. I can't wait to put it together. I got the RX78-2 and then a Zaku 2 combo pack. Um, I believe it's just an HG kit. So, nothing, nothing special. But, to me, it's something special. I think you can already tell by the, the highs and lows, this show is definitely worth watching. There are some things, some gripes that people are going to say, Oh, this wasn't fair, that wasn't fair, this isn't... Uh, it, it works. It does. You just really have to allow your childish heart to enjoy it. So there's Gundam Build Fighters Try. Check it out. It's a pretty good show. I recommend it to anybody, even if you are not a Gundam fan. I would definitely recommend this. Although, if you are a Gundam fan, if you're a Gunpla builder, I double recommend this to you. Because it's just so much for you there. It is a love letter to Gundam. It is a love letter to Gundam fans. Everybody needs some music. Music. So it's all in a dollar, my boy. Don't be shy. Everybody needs some music. Music. Tell 
So we're back here with the Oricon Top 10 Charts. Here we go, we have some familiar faces that are on their way out. We have one that seems to just be holding on to its position in a death grip. But at the same time, we got those brand new faces that are all so wonderful to look at. So starting off at number 10, it moved down one position from number 9 last week. We have Inochiwa Utsukushi by Nokizaka46. Number nine, falling eight positions. It was number one last week. Is Croquetish Jutaichu by SKE48. <laughs> Falling six positions, dropping like flies, guys. Don't look back by NMB Newcomer to the charts is number seven. We have Itsuka Kito by Naoto Intirin. Imasura Surfside by Tube. Again at number five, the opening for Idol Master Cinderella Girls, Happy Happy Days. Happy Happy Days.
number four, first week newcomer, is White by CN Blue. Number three is Maji Love Revolutions by Starfish. We And coming in at the second position, almost the first one, it's Nya KB with Suchinoko Panda in Idol Wa Unuyana no Ken. For all you Yokai Watch fans, or maybe people who aren't Yokai Watch fans yet, you'll recognize that as the third ending theme. And number one, the most coveted position is Wonderful World by Juice Equals Juice. Go, folks, there are the top Oricon 10 for this week of April the 21st, 2015. Well, there you go, that wasn't so bad, wasn't so painful. Thank you for listening to Senpai Coast to Coast. I've been your host, Josh Dunham. It's been a wonderful journey of Gundam, of Japanese music. I just love making this show. So, if you love me making this show, Feel free to tell me. There are a couple ways you can do so. The first being the email, senpaicoasttocoast at gmail.com. That's senpai, the numeral two, that's the number two, coasttocoast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter as Josh Dunham or Josh underscore Dunham. Be sure to follow me there for updates for whatever anime goodness. I'm giving snippets throughout the week, so you're missing out on that if you're not following. You can find the podcast on iTunes. And Stitcher now, we are on Stitcher. Got that hooked up. And be sure to visit the blog at senpaikosakos.wordpress.com. Leave a comment or say hello or, or drop a suggestion or something. It would be very appreciated. So for all you first-time listeners, stick with us. We're only getting better. And for all you veterans, yeah, you guys are happy. I can tell you're happy. And I'm happy too. So until next time, I'm going ghost. Ghost. <laughs>